What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is early Tuesday morning as I just got done watching the Nuggets cruise to a, an easy victory over the Memphis Grizzlies. Final score, 120-96. to Nuggets hold the Grizzlies under, under 100 points, and it was a very impressive defensive performance, and the Nuggets should be very happy about the way that they have responded. This is now two games in a row. After a pretty ugly game last uh, Friday night against the Golden State Warriors on national television, Denver bounces back against two teams that first team, Houston Rockets, they were decimated by injuries, uh, It was and they're on a second night of a back-to-back, so understandable why they lost. This game, the Grizzlies were also on the second night of a back-to-back, and but they had a lot of reinforcements, and the Nuggets... They are obviously without a bunch of very important players. And so you got to play the game and the Nuggets, they played it well. They did a really nice job. They cut off the paint. They tried to cut off all of the driving angles as much as they could. Uh, They forced the Grizzlies to settle for some outside jump shots. And those jump shots did not go in. Uh, Story of tonight, I would say Nuggets hold the Grizzlies to 96 points on 12.5% shooting from three-point range. In this 120 to 96 victory, it was a blowout, and it really got separated in that fourth quarter. Uh, Denver's bench, led by PJ Dozier, did a really, really nice job of separating and and doing a nice job of forcing the Grizzlies out of the game. in In a situation where they could have come back in this one, I thought that the Nuggets did a really nice job. The third star tonight was Denver's defense. 96 points allowed, 4 of 32 from three-point range allowed. That is the fifth worst shooting game this season in the NBA among teams that have shot the ball at least 30 times from three. There have been some bad shooting performances, and this was one of them. 12.5% from three. That is atrocious. And the Grizzlies aren't a great shooting team, they, of course, they have John Morant, they have Jonas Valanciunas, Kyle Anderson is their, their starting power forward, and Dylan Brooks is a starting wing for them. So not a lot of shooting talent there. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is still getting back, but even if, he, if, even if he's out there, being led by John Morant, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, they are always going to kind of be at a disadvantage from a floor spacing perspective, and Denver, they took advantage of that. Again, it was a second night of a back-to-back, and yet the defense was very good in spurts. Uh, P.J. Dozier, I think he's developing into a perimeter defense star, and that may be a controversial take, 
but I think he's earned it with his play. I think he has the physical tools to really prove it. It's not just uh, he's not just a guy who's in the right place at the right time all the time. He makes plays, and I thought he was on full display tonight, full display on Saturday night, in how in the starting lineup he can really affect the game in a positive way, even when the ball is not going in the basket. So we'll talk about him more in a little bit, but let's move on to the bigger story tonight, Michael Porter Jr. He just continues to ascend as a star, 31 points tonight, back-to-back 30-point games, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, a steal and a block, 12 of 19 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. What stands out there is that he uh, he had he had a lot more two point attempts tonight than he did three point attempts. Nine makes out of thirteen inside the arc, and I thought they really stood out tonight as a very uh, a very conscious effort. Uh, he missed the first couple of shots, and it really did seem like okay, gonna change the approach possibly going to go inside the arc and and make sure, like just it just seems like. He is doing a really good job of knowing the situation and knowing what the team needs and knowing that he can contribute in other ways outside of just being a three-point shooter. I'm kind of worried about MPJ, and not because there's anything wrong, but because I'm not really sure what I'm seeing right now. It is incredible what he is doing. He's doing some incredible things as a scorer. He's backing that up as... The outside shooter that he is, the rebounder, the cutter, playing important defense. He is doing some things that really, really stand out in the best possible way. I wrote about him on Monday. If you haven't read it, check it out. Uh, He's a very unique star, especially a star scorer in the NBA. Because at his size, we have rarely seen anybody at his size be able to shoot the ball the way that he does. Kevin Durant does it. Carl Anthony Towns does it. Larry Bird used to do it. Outside of those guys, I'm not sure if there's anybody Michael Porter Jr.'s size that is as talented as he is. Kevin Love, I don't think he's quite as talented of a shooter as a scorer. He just keeps getting better with an increased role. And to me, that that is the true mark of a great player. Because he's he's always been in a situation where the Nuggets have had to kind of taper down his role. Where they've had to sort of tell him to slow his role. To say, hey, we know you can do some of these other things, but we need you to do this, this, and this. And you need to do that at the best of your ability. That was rebounding the ball, cutting, spacing the floor, understanding the offense, and playing defense to the best of his ability. Now, with everybody out. He's doing all of the primary scoring things that he was drafted to do. The Nuggets didn't draft him to play defense. They drafted him to score. They drafted him to do all of those crazy things that he was showing off in his, in his high school mixtape. The pull-up threes. The incredible scoring. The touch around the rim. The physicality around the rim. He had moments tonight, both from a... a finesse perspective and also a power perspective where he showed just how much he's grown. There was a play uh, 
it was it was the it was the basket that he had off of a Nikola Jokic cut, where Jokic is just trying to get him to move. He he's staring him down. Clock is running down. A little bit of a, a kind of a mix up from the corner, and Jokic takes the ball in an isolation drive, and immediately when he does that, Michael Porter reads it and cuts. Jokic, I'm not sure if he saw it, but he he ultimately did. Got him the ball, got him for a big reverse dunk. And it was one of those things where I'm not sure that Jokic knew what Porter was doing. And ultimately, Porter was the one who created the space with his vision and with his, like, with his setup. That's not something that usually happens. Usually it's it's uh, Nikola Jokic who's telling Porter where to go or kind of guiding him to a specific spot, and then Jokic passes him the ball. I think this was the other way around, where Porter was the one who created the offense through his own cut. And that was a an important step in their relationship, I think. And there's another one. Where he gets the ball, I think it was on a DHO, maybe it was on a pick and roll, uh, but he drives, gets a switch in the paint against Jaron Jackson Jr., who is a center, and who is the same size as Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. takes him to town, just takes him to the woodwork, backs him down under the rim, pump fake gets him in the air, easy layup, kind of stared him down afterwards too because it was a very impressive move. That is a professional scorer. That is somebody who knows exactly what he's doing and is just imposing his will on somebody who isn't as good as him. And that's sort of what it's felt like. Over his last 15 games, Michael Porter Jr., this is over 20% of the season. 35 minutes a night, 24 points, 8 rebounds, 1 block, 57% from the field, 45% from 3, 82% from the line. What he is doing is incredible. I compared it to Kevin Durant in the article. And I think there are definitely, like, there's definitely some healthy comparisons there. They do things in different ways. Porter's more of an off-ball scorer than, than Kevin Durant is, who's more of an on-ball scorer and creator. But Porter's developing that part of his game. And in this last 11-game stretch now, it's going to be interesting to see how much he can develop from a ball handling perspective. Because that dude, if he can handle the basketball, good lord, like what does he turn into at that point? Already he feels unstoppable. We'll see what he gets if he ever gets to that point. Really good night from him. One last thing before we get to break. Nikola Jokic, solid, unspectacular, but still good. 24 points, 15 rebounds, 5 assists in 30 minutes. Another important piece of this is that only 30 minutes is good. The Nuggets are doing well to get Jokic some of those lower-minute games so that he doesn't have to stress as much. Took only 12 shots tonight. I thought it was, it was very funny. Um, I, turned over, I turned to Press Row a few times and, and commented on the fact that the way that Nikola Jokic scored his points tonight was in much of the same way that Joel Embiid scores his points. 10 rebound or 10, 10 uh, free throws. He went 10 of 10, if I'm not mistaken. I might be mistaken. Um, no, he went 10 of 10. Uh, a lot of those shots were pump fake and jump into the guy. 
and or pump fake and, and rip through and, and make sure that the, the ref sees that you fouled them. And it really felt kind of dirty. It felt like a, a tough moment where Nikola Jokic became everything that, that Joel Embiid had been doing. And we've, we've kind of denigrated that approach on this podcast. And do I think that Nikola Jokic needed to do that tonight in order to score the points that he did? No. Did I? Do I think it helped his game overall? Yes. He got 10 trips to the line tonight in 30 minutes. This is the seventh time. He's been to the line 10 times this season. In, what, 60, 61 games now? This is a very rare occurrence. I wouldn't look into it that much. But hey, 24 points, 15 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals. Did have 6 turnovers, so keep an eye on that. He needs to keep that number lower. But without the extra weapons in the lineup, the turnovers, they're just going to be higher. And and overall for the team, the turnovers were at just 11. So he has six of the 11 turnovers because he's dominating the ball a lot of the time. That's fine. It is what it is. Uh, But I like what I saw from him. Played some good defense, got some good steals, did a good job against Jonas Valanciunas and Jaron Jackson Jr. And that is really all you can ask for at this point. So good on him for that. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about P.J. Dozier and the bench. But first, this podcast, as I said before, it is sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. The the DraftKings Sportsbook is doing a great promo for this week for the NFL Draft. The NFL Draft is this week, and it is the most exciting day of the season for many, especially the offseason, because... The, the Broncos, they have the ninth overall pick in this draft. They could absolutely draft a quarterback, and I would recommend them doing so because they they thought that they were going to get Deshaun Watson, and, and I, I'm not sure I would go down that path anymore. and not sure I would st- stick with Drew Locke either. So whether your team is the first pick or the last pick in this draft, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing the excitement to you. DraftKings Sportsbook America's top-rated sportsbook app is adding to the thrill of the draft with a chance to turn $1.00 into $100 of free bets if a quarterback is drafted first overall on Thursday night. This literally is free money because Trevor Lawrence is going to be selected first overall. That that seems to be what's going to happen. And he's a quarterback. He's going to go to Jacksonville in all likelihood. This feels like a very free bet. So there are a number of ways to take action on the draft. So head to the app now to see what DraftKings Sportsbook is offering for Thursday night's main event. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up for the chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is letting you turn $1 into $100 in free bets if a quarterback is selected first overall this Thursday night. Don't forget, enter code MHS during sign-up only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only, new customers-only. Winnings paid out in free bets. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. All 
All right, back here, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure to go check out denverstiffs.com. We've got so many great things going on over there. I'm going to have a, a post up uh, over the course of the next few hours where we're going to be we're going to be doing some some stats dives in here. So it should be a lot of fun. Make sure to check that one out. Also make sure to check out the the sixth man. Uh, sorry, I, I lisped there. The sixth man. Uh, Tommy Knowlton is doing a great job with that. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, we are doing some great work, and, and I would love to see the staff continue to be rewarded for their hard work. Let's talk about this game. Uh, P.J. Dozier, second career start. Wasn't the best night from him efficiency-wise, but I think you would be missing the boat if you just looked at his shooting numbers and said, nine points on four of 12 shooting, bad night. It really wasn't. He was a really, really big part of this win. And I think the plus minus says it all there. Plus 24 in his 26 minutes. He was a very important piece of Denver's starting unit as a defender. And then with the with the second unit, he did a really nice job in that fourth quarter of taking advantage of his opportunity. At one point, he was one of nine from the field. Had a really, really tough shooting night. Wasn't, had, wasn't getting a three-pointer to drop. Doesn't let that stop him. And instead... Takes the ball confidently. Along, he was playing alongside uh, Paul Millsap, Jamichael Green, I think Austin Rivers, and maybe Faku Composo, but I think it was Shaq Harrison actually. So Austin Rivers might be the first option, but really it was PJ Dozier running the point tonight. He had a lot more opportunities, and I think he made the most of them. Uh, takes the he gets three straight baskets uh, with that second unit. Does a really really nice job of helping put the Memphis Grizzlies away, uh, had three assists. But what I really want to focus on is the defense here because I thought his defense was incredible. There were so many plays tonight, so many great examples of him flying around the court, bothering people, doing a really, really nice job of just being in the picture, being annoying, using his length, his, his athleticism to just bother people. There was one play, I'm pretty sure... It was in the first half where he uh, he's from he's coming from the weak side and there is a pick and roll or a, or a post up to Jonas Valanciunas and he has kind of an open window late in the clock. PJ Dozier flies from the weak side and gives a really really incredible challenge from the side on a Jonas Valanciunas shot that Jonas Valanciunas generally makes. But he did not expect P.J. Dozier there and altered his shot, missed it. Nikola Jokic grabs the rebound, and I'm pretty sure the Nuggets scored right after that. There are other great examples here. Uh, Dozier, he had a big block. Uh, it was, I, I, can't, I honestly can't remember the circumstance of that. But there were just so many examples where he got his hands in passing lanes, where he got under the skin of the shooter, where he, he just made, the, made life difficult for whoever was on him. And uh, and there was another play where he just rotated into the middle of the lane, kind of had to bail on his own assignment just to make sure that the paint wasn't wide open, stopped Brandon Clark in his tracks. Brandon Clark usually does a really, really good job of hitting those uh, short floaters where he's in the, that kind of five to eight foot range. He's so athletic. P.J. Dozier stands him up, makes him uncomfortable, gets him to miss it. 
Brandon Clark rarely misses those shots. So big up on P.J. Dozier. Uh, Some stats for you guys. Uh, He is fourth in defensive rating in the entire NBA among players with 40 games played and 20 minutes per game. So people that have a big role and haven't been out for a long time this year. Fourth in the NBA. Denver's defense isn't exactly stellar. And P.J. is fourth. He's behind two players on the Utah Jazz. In Mike Conley at first. Rudy Gobert at third. And he's behind Alex Caruso at second. Who plays for the top defense in the NBA with the Lakers. The Nuggets aren't the top defense. Let me just check it right now just to just to really highlight that. Uh, the Nuggets this year now rank 15th defensively. 111.5 defensive rating. The Boston Celtics are at 111.3 and they rank 12th. So it really is just kind of like a, a group of slightly above average defenses kind of grouped in, in that same area. But for Dozier to rank that high says to me that he is a transferable piece in all of Denver's great defensive schemes where he can maximize and be a part of it in almost any context. Think about how many positions he's played. He's played point guard, shooting guard, small forward, and some power forward at the beginning of the year where he was pretty good. The offense wasn't really good at that time, but the defense was fine, and he was a reason for that. I, I think it really stands out that when he entered the starting unit, Denver's defense has done well. I'd like to see them continue that trend. I'd like to see whether it can hold up. But just thinking about the starting lineup that they have out there right now, Faku Campazo, really smart defender, gets under team a, a team's skin, gets under the primary ball handler's skin. P.J. Dozier is kind of the connective glue the connective tissue, who rotates over from the weak side, who can switch on to the primary ball handler, who can switch on to big, big man assignments and big wings and, and hold his own for sure. He makes life easier for Porter, Gordon, and Jokic, but also for Compazzo. Now, Compazzo makes life easier for everybody else because he's the guy who's busting his butt at the top of the scheme. But... I like what I've seen from Dozier. I think what I've seen is sustainable, and the the shot may not be sustainable, but the defense certainly is. There is no reason in my mind to think that P.J. Dozier will become a worse defender than he is right now. He's going to get better. He's going to get smarter. He's going to get more experienced, and he'll probably get more calls as he continues to age in the league. If Denver has to go into the playoffs with P.J. Dozier playing a a large role, I at least know that they will play good defense when he's out there. That is a really important piece of this. They can find offense. Jokic and Porter are good enough. But having P.J. Dozier to kind of anchor that defensively, that is going to be really, really big. Let's talk Aaron Gordon and Faku. I thought they both connected on a few shots tonight, and, and that, that's really important. Uh, Gordon, 15 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 6 of 10 from the field, 2 of 3 from the 3-point line. Both of those threes were assisted by Faku. 
he found more shots within the flow of the offense tonight, and I think that having Faku out there really helps him. Not from a floor spacing perspective or anything like that, but Faku as a floor general, he knows how to get him into his spots. And Jokic as a floor general himself knows how to get Gordon into his spots. So having both of those guys out there, it's only going to be a matter of time before Gordon started to feel more comfortable. They didn't really go to post-ups tonight. They, they just kind of found him in the rhythm shots. Uh, most of them were around the rim. One of them was kind of a dribble, uh, a DHO with Nikola Jokic that ended in a mid-range pull-up, which it was a clean open shot. So if it's like that, then he's perfectly fine to take it. It's when he takes like the step back contested to that people will raise their eyebrows. But two of three from three, and I will not have it lost on me that the two make the two shots that he made were off the catch, and the one shot that he missed was off of a pull up. So keep that in mind. Faku he also uh, he also drove really hard to the paint tonight, and he creates shots with his aggressiveness. There are, there are just multiple instances over the last couple of games where he has sold out driving to the rim tonight, knowing that he has a possibility of getting crushed. He had a shot at the end of the half. If I'm not mistaken, I think, yeah, he made a layup at the end of the half, just driving to the rim. Usually he passes that ball back to Nikola Jokic, and I think the defense expected that. Faku took it fearlessly and laid it up cleanly off the glass. That was a big play. He also had another play kind of like that, where he drove down Main Street of Memphis's uh, of their uh, zone scheme. And he did a really, really nice job of getting the ball on the rim. And, and even though he got crushed, I, I believe, by uh, it was either by Jaron Jackson or, or Jonas Valanciunas or somebody like that, he's just so tough. And he's going to get criticism. I, I will, I'm going to stop like leveraging a ton of criticism at all of these guys because they're in a tough situation. And with all of the injuries, it's, it's tough to really focus too much in on any one person. But his aggressiveness, uh, I thought, yeah, and just the way that he passes the ball. PJ and, and Aaron Gordon both missed some easy layups off of Faku Dimes. There was, there was a pass in the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken, where PJ kind of slips to the rim. Faku is surveying. He's, he's getting ready to run a pick and roll with Jokic, but realizes that PJ's man isn't looking. Zips a pass right under the rim right through the defense, catches P.J. Dozier by surprise, and he tries to uh, to lay it up off the glass, and it just rolls off the rim. It's very funny. Uh, Michael Porter collected it for an and-one opportunity, but still, like, y- you hate to see that because uh, P.J., he, he owes uh, Faku a steak dinner now for sure. But Faku just moving the ball out there, finding the weak spots in the defense, it has a tremendous effect, and Denver... As they have continued to shot the ball, shoot the ball okay, Jokic and MPJ, they're just talented enough to handle most of the rest of the stuff. PJ Dozier, he could use some shots that are assisted for him. Aaron Gordon could use some shots that are assisted for him. Jokic and MPJ are talented enough to handle the rest of the stuff. But within that starting group, I still feel like Faku, he, he has been important there. So... Good on him for playing well. Matt Moore would be disappointed in me if I didn't mention Paul Millsap, so here it goes. Um, Off the bench, 
came in instead of JaVale McGee tonight. Uh, it really does seem like Michael Malone is just the way that he is going to orient this bench unit. J- Jamichael Green and Paul Millsap are going to play, except on second night of the back-to-back, where Paul Millsap will take a rest and JaVale McGee will play instead. And that is not how I would handle it, but it is how it is being handled, so I'm not going to stress about it. The game started off really badly for Paul. He had two air balls, including one uh, on a pick-and-pop three that was wide open, one on an isolation where he tried to take Jonas Valanciunas, stepped back for a mid-range on the baseline, and just missed the rim completely. Uh, He was getting kind of beasted on with some subpar defensive possessions. But then he hit a three after he and Jonas Valanciunas kind of got into a tussle. Not like a not like a aggressive tussle, but they were wrestling on the ground a little bit for the ball. Looked like there could be some hands thrown, but there wasn't. And Jonas Valanciunas tried to punish Millsap at one end. Did so. Paul Millsap comes back the next possession, gets a pick and pop three or a spot up three, and drains it. So there are definitely times where, where he can hit those shots and, and be very valuable. But in the first half, he left one of three from the or one of five from the field. Wasn't really looking good. Second half, he comes back in. He's much better. Four of six from the field. Hit an important three to kind of break their back. Uh, Memphis was back in the fourth quarter. Had some good defensive plays. Kind of cut into the middle of the lane for uh, for a floater to break the zone. Look, Javale McGee versus Paul Millsap is a tough battleground right right now. Because I think that JaVale McGee has earned more playing time than he's received. But Malone has clearly made it, he's, he's made it as clear as possible that McGee is going to be the reserve big man. And I think that that is going to be interesting heading into the playoffs. Because we've seen Paul Millsap struggle in different circumstances. But they were mostly as a starter. If he can find some opportunities as the bench center... That would be really helpful because he's such a smart defensive player, can create his own shot at times. That is a really, really important piece in the playoffs. We'll see if that translates, but he is probably going to be the one to get the first crack at it, and that's not surprising if you followed the rotation of late. Finally, Austin Rivers, Jermichael Green, Shaq Harrison, they're all different degrees of fine tonight. Not good offense, but they really stood out with some good defensive moments most of the time. Uh, Austin Rivers in particular stood out pretty well. Uh, he had some good possessions defending both John Morant and uh, the backup point guard DeAnthony Melton for Memphis. Uh, did a really nice job there. But mostly, in, in my opinion, Memphis's bench just missed a bunch of shots. Denver kind of let them miss a bunch of shots. They protected the paint, did a nice job of making sure that the, the Grizzlies didn't attack the rim at will. And the Grizzlies bench kind of, they were very inclined to shoot those threes. 0 of 2 for Justice Winslow, 0 of 2 for Brandon Clark, 1 of 5 for Jaron Jackson Jr., Uh, 0 of 2 for Desmond Bain, 0 of 3 for DeAnthony Melton. Like, just a really, really bad shooting night for the primary reserves. Uh, 1 of 14 from 3 for those guys. That sucks. That's really, really bad. Um, and it is what it is. Like Denver took advantage of Memphis's rest situation and 
That is sort of how it be in the NBA. If you don't take advantage as a team that has a, a rest advantage, then you're doing it wrong in the NBA because there is so much rest advantage and disadvantage situations that if you're Denver, you got to take advantage of this because you're dealing with your own issues that you might as well just try to bank a win here or there. Don't feel bad about it either. Um, but either way, great win. This was a really impressive one, a 24-point win. That included a, a uh, impressive dunk from Bull Bull, an impressive dunk from Vlako Chanchar that uh, which one of those got the masses riled up, and it was definitely not Vlako. But uh, it was a very fun night at Ball Arena, uh, some good energy other than kind of the, the first quarter. Uh, after that, it was fun, and Denver really capitalized. So it's been a lot of fun going downtown, and, and I'm looking forward to finishing out the season with it because it should be good. Let's take our final break. When we come back, we're going to do a stats breakdown briefly. We'll be right back. segment pickaxe and roll here thank you so much for tuning in uh, if you haven't you could, if you could leave a positive rating and review on itunes that would be great to share out the podcast uh, i know it's been it's been great so far and i've got 69 ratings in, a, in a, the itunes so that is great if people don't want to leave any then i'm okay with leaving it at 69 don't get me wrong but uh it, it does help grow the program and i would greatly appreciate it Stock stats here. Uh, I haven't done this in a while where just kind of going into the numbers, breaking those down. I'm not going to go super in-depth because it is late. It's currently 1.43. I'm, uh, I'm just going to do my best here to, to stick with it. But look, stats breakdown. Last 15 games. A lot of these numbers are going to be last 15 games. Denver is the best record in the NBA. So let that sink in for a little bit. In all of the ups and downs of the NBA season, of all the injuries that Denver has suffered, all these other teams, some of them have played well, some of them have played badly, some of them have played really well. The Nuggets have played the best. 12-3 in their last 15 games, fourth best net rating in those 15. They've had a couple close calls here or there. Also had some blowouts that should have been a wider margin than they were, like that Rockets game. They have the sixth best offense during that span and the ninth best defense. So top 10 in both categories. I think that stands out. They're also the best rebounding team in the NBA by far during that stretch. Third best offensive rebounding rate, third best defensive rebounding rate. This is a team that is starting to leverage their best assets. They became bigger in the past couple weeks, past few weeks, past month. And that has been really important in kind of establishing their identity. It can be really overwhelming to watch Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon and P.J. Dozier all crashing the glass on the offensive end. Those guys can be relentless. And opposing teams feel it. 
that when Denver is, is at their best, they are attacking the glass, making sure that the opposing team isn't getting any free rebounds. Because Denver, they can get some free points if they if they grab those rebounds. And that's one of Porter's specialties, actually. It's one of Jokic's specialties, that they grab a lot of offensive rebounding opportunities and capitalize them on them really well. Third best offensive rebounding team, third best defensive rebounding team. Very impressive. One general thing that I've studied over these past few years, kind of looking at what makes a championship team click. I've done this from a variety of perspectives, from a star caliber perspective, like how much talent does a team need, uh, what kind of profile do they have. Here's one thing that stands out. Championship teams often finish in the top three in effective field goal percentage offensively. In this past decade, that has been true of almost every single one. The only exception is the Los Angeles Lakers of this past year. But in their pre-bubble regular season time, they were fourth in effective field goal percentage and were 0.1 away from being third. What that says to me is that being able to execute being able to make shots consistently, that is the most valuable trait that a championship team can have. The Nuggets do that really well. Here's the current top five in effective field goal percentage. The Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, the LA Clippers, the Phoenix Suns, and your Denver Nuggets, who are pretty close to the Suns, if I might add. Let's actually take a look at that. Just make sure I'm not crazy. Yeah, Denver's at 56.1, and Phoenix Suns at at, uh, fourth are 56.2. The Clippers, Bucks, and Nets have kind of separated themselves. The Nets especially. They look unstoppable from an offensive perspective. But just focusing on the Nuggets here. One of the impressive things that they've done without Jamal Murray is they've found ways to stay efficient. Whether it's from offense and just sharing the ball, trying to maximize possessions, or whether it's just Michael Porter Jr. kind of stepping up into a larger role and somehow becoming more efficient, those things both matter. And I think that Denver, they can continue to positively impact their effective field goal percentage by continuing to rely on those stars. Porter, he has given no reason to doubt him at this point. I think the Nuggets should continue to push him, continue to rely on him. Don't over-rely on him. But if he has it going, you want to find ways to keep that jump shooter hot and keep him fully engaged with what he's trying to do. With Nikola Jokic, you want to space the floor as much as you can. You want to give him as many cutters as he can. Because the moment the defense reacts to the cuts is when he himself shoots his most effectively. You want to continue finding the comfort zone for guys like Aaron Gordon, P.J. Dozier, Faku Campazzo. I've mentioned the catch-and-shoot threes with Aaron Gordon before, and I think they stand out as one of his better traits, especially from Orlando this year. In Denver, he is better as a catch-and-shoot guy than he is as a pull-up guy, and it isn't really close either. Giving him opportunities where he can just catch and shoot, make it simple, keep the mechanics sound, that is really, really important. 
with P.J. Doshi, you want to focus on having him make confident drives to the rim where he can finish over the top of the defense. You don't want him challenging, like, incredible rim protectors or anything like that. You don't want him going at Rudy Gobert or, or Anthony Davis or rim protectors that are going to make him pay for going up soft. You want him to understand the situation, to continue to navigate his offensive touches, and then when the time presents itself, to drive confidently. He's had several of those moments in the last couple games. And I think that as he continues to navigate, he's going to have more and more opportunities where he sees the floor while he's on the floor with Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter, guys like that. He's going to have some open opportunities. One of my gripes about Will Barton is that he doesn't finish at the rim very well. P.J. Dozier isn't that much better, but he is better. Maybe there's a possibility that Denver's offense can still find a way if they just work well on the margins like that. P.J. still has to shoot the ball well, but at least driving the ball well would help. Faku, I'm not really sure. Three-point percentage is just so irregular. Like, with him, he's had, in four of his last five games, he's been really bad as a three-point shooter. Before that, he was incredible. He was hitting everything. So it's it's tough to say what he's supposed to do, how he's supposed to handle it. But if he continues diming up teammates around the rim, finding those free cuts, finding the opportunities to get to the rim, where either he scores at the rim or his teammates do because of good passes, that will keep Denver's efficiency high as well. The bench is the big mystery here, because it, like, especially tonight, it wasn't a good offensive performance from the bench. It was just kind of average. They were fine. 26 points from the bench. Kind of a standard bench performance for most teams. Like most teams, you'll, you'll get about 70 points from your starting unit, 75, 80. Most benches, you're getting 20 to 30. So 26, that's fine. Austin Rivers and Shaq Harrison, they're still getting acclimated to the situation. Rivers' three-point percentage has been pretty low, but if Denver can find more ways to hit those outside shots, if it's if it's Paul Millsap out there, he's hitting pick-and-pop threes. If it's Jermichael Green, he's hitting the pick-and-pop or the spot-ups. If those guys continue to space the floor well, that'll help. But they might need some help, and whether it's P.J. Dozier, whether it's Michael Porter, I think they're going to have to have some other options. JaVale McGee could also be an option, but until we see Monte Morris, Will Barton, guys like that come back, I'm not sure what to think about the bench. It's probably going to be very hit or miss, and I would guess miss at this point. So Denver, they got to rely on their stars. Whether that means staggering Jokic and Porter, we'll just have to see. But I think that Denver can do it. I think that they can continue to generate good offense an efficient offense with the personnel that they have. It's going to get harder without Morrison Barton. But Michael Porter, man, he just continues to wow people. And he's wowing me because I didn't expect this from him. As talented as he was, watching him shoot the basketball is pure. It is just a very, very impressive, impressive shot. And you just can't say enough about it. 
Thank you all for listening to this episode of Pickaxe and Roll presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. We will be back tomorrow with a special guest I am excited to have on, good friend of the program, who I am not going to name right now. But we're going to have him on. We're going to have a good time. Going to talk nuggets. Going to talk around the NBA. Should be pretty interesting. But keep it tuned here to Pickaxe and Roll. I will talk to you guys very soon.